Hi, I'm Jessie, your host of the Jessie Williams podcast. I'm an entrepreneur and business mentor bringing you fun and thought-provoking conversations around money, business, and personal development. This podcast is for the go-getters and the dream chasers, for the ones who want to build the business of their dreams, optimize their mind, and improve their life. So if that's you, buckle in and let's send it. Hello guys and welcome back to not just the podcast but the latest episode of Spill the Tea. We're going to be doing a pregnancy episode today which is very requested but it's extra special because the podcast probably hasn't heard yet but if you follow us on Instagram you'll know that my beautiful business manager Madison is also pregnant. Yes, that's why I've decided to join you today because I thought that'd be fun going through some questions I could pipe in as well. So this is basically Spill the Tea, Two Pregnant Chicks edition. (laughs) (laughs) So for a little bit slow or something doesn't make sense, you've just got to roll with it. Yeah, 100%. We've obviously got quite a few questions. A lot of them were very, very similar. So Mads has gone through and condensed some of them to make them a little bit more seamless. Mm -hmm. Maybe I should start off by just giving some background context as to where I'm at in my pregnancy. Yeah. At this current stage, because I feel like I did a pregnancy episode at the end of my first trimester, but I'm now in my third trimester. So I'm actually currently 32 and a half weeks pregnant and things are going pretty well. Like I've got, I've got a couple of the little things and niggles, like I'm having a bit of heartburn, get a bit around ligament pain, things like that pop up, but I don't pay them much attention I don't notice them a lot. I'm still exercising. I'm still doing one-on-one boxing sessions with my coach. I'm still, yeah, very, very active and that's about it. And you've just gotten back from a holiday. Yeah. How how was traveling while being pregnant and stuff? How did you find that? Yeah, I, I would definitely say that it was easier than I was expecting. And just for like background context, it's interesting because the way I found out I was pregnant was because we were booking that holiday. So rewinding, Oscar and I had started kind of like trying to conceive, but this particular month I thought I'd missed ovulation. So I was like hundred percent like, yeah, I'm, I'm not pregnant. But then we were booking this international trip. So we were booking a holiday to like America and Europe. And at the time when we were booking that, I was like, wow, if I was pregnant right now, I would be so pregnant on this trip. And I had no idea around like the airline legalities, how, like when the cutoff date was and things like that. Like I hadn't obviously researched or anything. And I was like, I better just make sure I'm not pregnant. Like just reconfirm before we actually pay the deposit for the trip. And so I just went off to the bathroom, took a pregnancy test. And to my surprise, it came back with two lines, (laughs) which was positive. And I was kind of like, okay. So then there was obviously the conversation that came after that of like, okay, what do we do with the trip now? And we just spent kind of like the next 24 to 48 hours just asking a couple of people their recommendations, making like asking my travel agent when the cutoff was. And we basically worked out that for the for international travel, a lot of airlines cut you off at either 32 or 34 weeks. And based on where our trip was booked, would be leaving when I was 28 weeks and get back when I was 31. So we just kind of like slid in there. We also update for the podcast, I eloped. So it, it ended up being kind of like a baby moon, honeymoon. And considering we went to America and Europe, there was a lot of long haul travel involved. So two of the flights were... 14 hours and we had quite a few long stints in between there like we flew from uh, San Francisco to Quebec which was about six hours we also flew from New York to Paris which was about seven hours so there was a lot of long flying in there and I'd be lying if I wasn't nervous that I couldn't hack it I also had people saying you know that like I would swell up and and my hands would get swollen and, you know, be careful of your rings not getting stuck on and, you know, you'll need naps and things like that. And I think in the three weeks, I maybe had two naps and that was more just like general jet lag. My hands didn't swell. One of the days I did like 20,000 steps when we're in Canada. I did minimum 10,000 steps nearly every day. It really surprises me that like your hands didn't swell and stuff. I don't know why, mm. but I almost just assumed that that would happen. Same. Like especially with how much you were flying, how your body would have been coping with the different time differences between countries and stuff. Like when you came back and said, you're like, yeah, I was good the whole time. I was, yeah, I was shook. Yeah, I was too. And like on the longest flight over, I wore like compression socks and stuff like that because I was so worried it just about swelling and stuff and then all the other flights like the six seven hours like I didn't worry and then I just 
wore them for the long flight coming home again. But yeah, there were just so many things that I was worried about that I didn't need to worry about. Like I felt like I just kept up. And the only difference between traveling not pregnant versus pregnant was there were activities I couldn't do. Mm-hmm. which is like no different to being home. Like there's things that, you know, I can't participate in that other people are doing and things like that. So yeah, it just, it just didn't, I feel like my pregnancy didn't negatively impact that trip at all. Which is incredible, especially because in the end, that's why you wanted to go. Like it yeah. was a baby moon. It was so you could spend time together. And if it means you've got to slow down and not do all of the adventurous things, then that's also beautiful in itself. Like, mm. and Osk still went snowboarding and thinks he's a pro now. So yeah, he thinks he's a professional, but he low key kind of is. Um, but yeah, it was, it was really nice. And I think just like looking back and I, I know that like seeing photos of that trip and looking back and knowing like my baby was in my belly, I think that will be special too. And you know, it was my first time going to Europe. Like the first time I ever went to Europe was like pregnant with my baby. I just think there's so many cool things in that. So I'm very, very glad we did that trip and just like really got to tick off a lot of things that we both wanted to do. You know, the drive from LA to San Fran, we both really, Oscar had done it before, but he really wanted to do it again and I'd never done it. So there was just like a lot of things where Switzerland, that was a bucket list location for the both of us. So yeah, there was a lot of things that, that we ticked, which I'm so happy about. Yeah, that's so cool. What are your thoughts on traveling with a baby? Like, were you looking at this trip as being like, we better get this in because it's one of the last ones we'll be able to do for a while internationally? Or how do you feel about that? Yeah. So interestingly, yes, it was like, because last year was actually a pretty big travel year for me. Like I, I, I don't know how many domestic trips I did, but like a lot. Like I went to Sydney a couple of times. I went to Queensland multiple times. There was like a lot of domestic travel. And then even internationally, I started off the year January, we went to the Maldives and Sri Lanka. And then around, I don't know when it was exactly, but around April, May, we did Fiji. And then at the end of the year, we did like the US and stuff. So such a huge travel year. And it was very much like, okay, this is our year of travel because we're going to turn into hermits after this. And on our trip, we were just like, we can travel with a baby. Like it's, it's so fine. And I think like there's a lot of privilege in the situation and, and the life we've created. And, and I think that a huge reason it will be easier is like we will fly business class and things like that. Like we can lay down, bring a bassinet, like all that mm. kind of stuff, which I think definitely helps. I feel like for a lot of people, the hesitation around traveling internationally with a baby is actually like the flying is the hard part, not necessarily the actual travel itself. It would be quite hard, especially if you're in like your standard seat when you've got people next to you potentially don't know, you've got a crying baby, like you just, it would be mum guilt as well a little bit if you're having a cry or something. And you're trying to like sit up, you're tired, like I could imagine how that wouldn't be an enjoyable experience and how people would want to be like... You know, and that's it was interesting because I did a poll on Instagram the day we were coming home. I was like, where to go with the baby? <laughs> like I'm already like the day we were coming home, I was like ready for the next thing. And the most popular response was Fiji. And I was like, okay, is that because Fiji is the best place to go with the baby or is it the best close place mm. to go with a baby, right? Because it's like from here, Fiji is like six hours as opposed to, you know, even Thailand's like you're looking at like nine and Europe, like, I mean, that's just out of the equation for a lot of people. So I was like, mm, interesting. So yeah, we've just been playing around with what that looks like. So we've got a, a couple of ideas. Like we're thinking we're actually going to travel around mid-year when he will be about three months, but we'll do somewhere short, like New Zealand, Vanuatu, New Caledonia, something like that, because that's the, all of those places are either three to four hour flight max. And we'll just go for a short amount of time. And then probably end of year will be like something a little bit longer and we're playing around whether it's like we go to like Dubai, we go to Europe, we yeah, I don't know, but I think that will be something something longer. But I'm definitely like I'm traveling. I'm traveling this year, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. I love that so much. It's something that Scott and I have spoken about quite a bit. And like, we are personally just more like Australia people. Like, Mm -hmm. and I think because we love camping and stuff, like we've got the van, we'll take off. And before, when we did our big trip in 2022, it was like three months. And at, at the start of it, we were kind of like we need to do this. It's probably going to be the like last big trip for a while because we'll end up having a baby in a couple of years and like all of the things. And as we were on the trip, I was just like, 
why would we not do this with the baby? Mm. And I'm like, and we don't have the aspect of flying because most likely like we just love seeing so much of Australia or Tassie or whatever. Um, and I was like, when we have a baby, the one thing that I've always said is like, I'm not, the baby's going to fit into our lives. It's going to enhance our lives. Mm. Like I'm not going to give up everything that makes us us and what makes us happy. And I'm like, obviously things have to change. Like you've got a baby, that's fine. But I'm like, yeah, like it is going to come and do all of the things that we want to do. It might just be at a slower pace or whatever it might be. Yeah, 100%. Like the people that, yeah, just go, no, you can't do anything. And I'm like, yeah. And I think just because like it's – it can be harder and it can be different. And someone who like I really admire is Manifestation Babe. Mm-hmm. She's obviously, she's she's got a baby and she basically nonstop traveled in her first year with her son. Like they went everywhere and anywhere, right? And same kind of deal. They're flying business and things like that. So there's definitely like more ease and things like that. But she brings this really beautiful where she combines optimism with realism and you know she kind of like shared and she was like anyone who tells you that um it's no different traveling with a baby it's a lie it it is different like you are potentially rather than um you know like laying down and and watching movies you're potentially like nursing a crying baby or you have to pack more things you have to have nappies you have to have the um you know the baby carry like there's a lot more you're taking more bags with you like there's all these little things there's some activities you won't do xyz she goes but does that mean that you can't travel with a baby or it's not enjoyable to travel with a baby no it just means that it's different and that Mm, there's different kinds of challenges and things like that involved so I think it's like it's really cool of like not taking something as it doesn't have to be that black and white it doesn't either have to be like you can't travel with a baby and it doesn't have to be like traveling with a baby is magical and, and love and light and so easy. It's like, no, it can be challenging and it can also be really rewarding as well. Yeah. 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 That's my take. So, but we'll see. We'll see how we go. Yeah. I'll report back after yeah. our trip. Maybe even a couple of months in and you're like, we're staying at home. <laughs> but also I have had so many people say to me, and I don't know if you've had anyone say this to you yet, but like, like a lot of people oh my gosh, travel before they one is so easy. Like everyone has just been like travel before they one. Like it, oh, like no, even I've that. heard the sweet spot is like three months. They were like, if you like, you can take a three month old fucking anywhere. They will just sleep. Like they're not eating solids yet. They're not, they're not crawling fully yet. Like they, like they just, you just carry them around and they'll be asleep half the time. They're a potato. They're a potato. <laughs> and they're just like, all they need is their basic needs met and they're good. Yeah. But it's like once they're like, you know, starting to walk and things like that. And then they start, then start getting to that age where they, they need to be entertained and they can get bored and then they're having tantrums. And like, yeah, everyone was just like, if you can travel with like a three to a five month old, like you'll Ideal. take them anywhere. Yeah. Oh, I haven't had anyone said that, but I'll definitely, I'm like, I think my birthday falls in there somewhere. Yeah. So I'm like, we'll do something. Do a little yeah. trip. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense. Yeah. Mm. All right. Beautiful. I reckon we'll get into some more of these questions. Let's do it. You've answered sort of how your pregnancy journey has been so far, but do you want to just go into a little bit more in terms of like, how have you found morning sickness? How has your energy been? Like, is there anything that's kind of come up generally, whether it was for you like mentally or whatever that you weren't expecting? Like how's yet? just summarizing your experience so far. Yeah, I have had a very positive pregnancy experience. And I think that there's like a mix of, I don't want to say luck, but let's just say luck of whatever. And then also like very, very intentionally created and set myself up for that because it's interesting. And I was speaking about this with someone the other day when people ask how my pregnancy is, I'm like, oh my God, like so good, like absolutely amazing, which is true. And then I think about it. I'm like, yeah, like I haven't really had any like quote unquote struggles and blah, blah. And then I think about it. I'm like, fuck, sometimes like I get heartburn so bad to the point I'm like, it's like unbearable. I have had like round ligament pain and then Oscar will have to help me with like massages and like things like that. Like I've, I've actually had things, but I just, it's so hard to explain. Like I just don't notice them. It's just like part of life. Like, of course that's happening. I'm pregnant. Like it's just, it's, it's, so it's like a perception thing where it's like the way that I perceive my pregnancy. Like I have a very, very positive lens. Um, but then also equally in saying that, like there's, 
there's some symptoms I haven't had or I haven't had the experience of. And it's just so hard to know what I've contributed to versus what's like, like, how do you ever really know? But even like, um, people have been like, what cravings have you had? I haven't had any cravings. Same. Like, Nothing. Same. I've had no aversions, no cravings. Yeah, like, I, you know, I had aversions. I had my aversion to food. My <laughs> my aversion was to my fucking fridge. Um, but yeah, trimester one, and and I've got a whole episode on my first trimester specifically. So if you guys want to hear about my first trimester, which was absolutely the rockiest trimester, mm-hmm. you can go and listen to that episode. But I did. I was very nauseous, not vomiting at all, just like dry reaching, food aversions, just feeling sick. That and exhausted, like all the things. Like you saw my energy change from like I basically hit trimester two, and everything just changed. Like my energy came back. I felt more online. So there was that. So moving into second trimester, absolute breeze. Just all my energy came back. Didn't really have any negative symptom side effects. I didn't have any cravings. There was just nothing. It was just like, cool. It was also like the highest libido phase of my pregnancy. So I was just like, wanted to have sex all the time. It was just, a, it was just a good time. And then obviously coming into my third trimester, then it's like starting to have a couple of the things like, I mean, I had round ligament pain in my second, but like it was pretty infrequent, but I would say it's like more common now. Yeah. But, but overall, and then what else was there that you asked? Symptoms. Energy. Energy. Energy has been fine. Like I haven't, like I'm not napping. Like that was more of trimester one thing. And definitely like parts of my second trimester, like my energy will go up, down, up, down. But yeah, energy is feeling good. Everything just feels pretty smooth sailing at this point. Yeah. I did have like one experience of like, what happened to set it off? Something happened one night. I woke up in the middle of the night and this was like borderline on the end of my second trimester. And I can't remember for the life of me what happened and what I was feeling, but I ended up at like 2am Googling it. Why do I do this to myself? Shoulder pain. Shoulder pain. Shoulder pain. So I had shoulder pain. Like I woke up in like, like with excruciating shoulder pain. Great memory. And... And then I had been feeling a bit nauseous that week as well. And I was like, why am I feeling nauseous at the end of my second trimester? So I Googled like shoulder pain, nausea, trimester two pregnancy. And anyway, it com- comes up. The first thing that comes Note up. Note to self, do not Google anything at 2 a.m. in the morning. <laughs> don't. If you are pregnant and you know what, if you have any sickness ailment, just don't turn to Google, okay? It's just not, everything is death. <laughs> Anyway, so it tells me, first thing comes up, that's a sign of preeclampsia. If you're having like shoulder pain, do not go back to sleep. Call a healthcare provider immediately and like all the things. So I go into a fucking panic and a bit of a background context, Oscar used to, when he was like younger, have like high blood pressure problems. It was from like, he was a professional pro boxer and things like that. So very just high stress, high pressure lifestyle, high blood pressure. So he used to have a blood pressure machine because he would have to check his blood pressure all the time. And like, I woke Oscar up and I was like, babe, babe, because obviously the like preeclampsia is high blood pressure. So I was like, hey, I just need to test my blood pressure. So 2am, I'm like, babe, babe, do you have your blood pressure machine? <laughs> He's like, what? No, it's, he's like, I think it's at the office. He hasn't used it for, you know, a couple of years because he's fine now. But he's like, no, what's happened? And I was like, I just Googled, I just Googled this, I just Googled (laughs) this thing. And he was like, oh my God. He's like, babe, you're fine. You don't have preeclampsia, like all the things. And I was just like, I just like couldn't sleep. Anyway, my next midwifery appointment, she pulls out the blood pressure machine and I was like, just like, just take take it take it now anyway she was like oh you've got perfect blood pressure I was like okay cool 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 so I would say the only times I had concerns in my pregnancy was like just little moments like that where I googled things and I shouldn't have and also coming from a background of miscarrying I think that there was a lot of fear in my pregnancy in the gap between scans and not feeling movement yet so Mm -hmm. like the scans would help me settle, but then I would go back into like a lot of fear when I I hadn't started feeling movement and it was just like, you know, you know the phase where it's like, is there a baby in there? Like you it just you can't you've got nothing to yeah. hold on to until you start feeling like until you're growing more, you're seeing a bump. 
So I actually did buy a, are they called Dopplers? I'm pretty sure they're called Dopplers. The heart rate monitor. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually bought one and you shouldn't overuse them because obviously like it can actually be really loud for the baby and they're technically I don't know what the medical thing is but like it's not radiation but like whatever it is it's not ideal so I didn't use it unless I was having like to the point I was feeling anxious and so I think twice in my between my 12 week scan and maybe around 20 weeks when I started feeling kicks I use that twice as like I need to hear his heartbeat because I'm feeling really anxious something's wrong. So I would say if anything, the most downside of my pregnancy has just been like anxiousness or like worrying something's going to go wrong. And then it was like, okay, cool. Like even wanting to Google when I was like, say 22 weeks, what's the survival rate of a baby after 22 weeks? Like always just mm. wanting to know, like wanting to hit and an the next safety milestone. Um, it hasn't so much been like symptoms and stuff like that. Yeah. 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 That's cool. It's so funny. It is just insane how different people's experience are with pregnant. Mm. Like I'm have also been very lucky. Like I'm 21 weeks now, 21 and a half. And up until I started feeling him kick, I'm like, apart from getting a little bit bigger, I wouldn't have known I'm pregnant. Yeah. And I'm like, I think because I've only just come out of that since the first of Jan was when I felt him first move. Mm. So still very new. And I was in that phase of like, am I pregnant? Like, I don't feel it. My energy's good and all those sorts of things. Yeah. It's just can be so different. And everyone is always like making assumptions on how you should feel like, oh, have you been so tired and all of those things. And you're like, no, nah, I'm good. And then there's so many things where it's like, you know, people can say you're lucky. And it's also like, even like the cravings things, I think about it and I'm like, I spent all of like my late teens, early twenties, just like fucking ruled by cravings and I look at my relationship with food then and I was like eat not looking after my body eating you know a lot of shit like stuff like that even when I was like tracking quote-unquote tracking my macros but eating a lot of like high sugar foods and fitting them in and things like that I always had cravings like and I would you know monitor them and things like that but I I would have to like fight the craving do you know what I mean yeah. and then I'm, I remember thinking cravings were just like so normal and then obviously how I eat now you know not eating a lot of refined sugar and um, eating high like high fat high protein diet very satiating things like that I haven't had a craving for, for years like I don't crave chocolate I don't crave ice cream like I could go some ice cream but I don't it's so weird like I remember just like cravings daily like that was normal and then just years of not really having cravings and then so even in my pregnancy I've been eating really well so I just feel like I'm satiated so I don't know if that's why I'm not having cravings or they do say that cravings when you're pregnant come from lack of a certain nutrient in your Mm. body or like it could be if you're craving something sweet it could be your sugars down or Mm. something salty like it usually is based off like I guess the undercurrent of whatever you're eating it is Mm. Um, obviously people get some weird stuff but it could just be that they're craving carbs and a bit of salt and they want Vegemite on toast like and that's where it comes from you know like there's a name for it but where people crave like fucking eating dirt and like charcoal (laughs) apparently that's like a zinc deficiency like yeah like if you're deficient in zinc you will crave fucking whack shit and and obviously like I really look after and I get regular blood work and measure all of that and I take supplements and things so I think that's a huge part and I would definitely say it's not to say I haven't had like a natural intuitive desire to eat more Mm. of a certain food like let's just say I'm like craving fruit and like I went through a phase where it's like I was eating like three mandarins a day and and then like you know two two kiwi fruits a day and I just like wanted so much fruit but I wouldn't say it was a craving because not like I can't go to sleep until I get this like some people get there have to uber eats it Ben and Jerry's ice cream tub or something. Like it's like, and I think back being someone who, you know, when I had a very distorted relationship with food, like I know what it feels like to crave food to the point that it's like, it's all consuming. And I'm like, it wasn't that. It was like, if I didn't have the Mandarin, okay, that's fine. (laughs) But it's like, I I just felt like it. So there was like, yeah, noticing that I was definitely feeling like a lot of like vitamin C and things like that. Yeah. 
I think the balanced diet generally really helps with that sort of stuff. Yeah. While we're speaking about food, so what is your opinion on coffee whilst trying to conceive? A lot of people obviously go off coffee um, and yet this person has just sort of said like she's still drinking coffee throughout trying to get pregnant and like is she misinformed or like what's your opinion on that? Um, So obviously I'm not a medical professional but from my understanding is like you should be fine if you're having a moderate amount. So like the amount being like equivalent to like a shot of coffee. So you having like one small coffee a day shouldn't have any negative effect whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Um, I personally cut coffee out and I, I did decaf for probably, I think it was like close to six months mm-hmm. prior to conception. And that was like before I even started trying, but I knew I was going to start trying. I just cut coffee out. Can I just ask a question? Did you go to decaf for the conceiving pregnancy side of it and that was the only reason or were you just trying to cut coffee out generally for like the health yeah for fertility yeah like it was yeah. like in in my it mind was. I was like oh what can I do to just yeah really optimize my fertility and I looked at it from the perspective of like what can I do to have the most regulated nervous system what can I do to you know all those kind of yeah. things so going decaf was one of those things and my partner did that as well I now have coffee I didn't have coffee until 13 weeks pregnant purely because I had an aversion to it so so it was like I wasn't even having decaf. It was like I just didn't even want a coffee. And then I hit 13 weeks and started feeling like coffee again. And now I have – I usually get a small week. So I actually have a half shot or I have a, a decaf. And that's just because I also find that the less caffeine I have, the better I sleep. And I feel like positive sleep has a lot of positive outcomes. So like regulates your appetite, it regulates your mood, it regulates. So what I would look at is what's cutting the coffee out going to do. It's like if that takes out a lot of pleasure, if you're, you sleep the same, whether you have coffee, you like have your fucking coffee, like have your one shot a day, whatever. But it's like, if you find that you sleep better without it, and then when you sleep better, you're more energized and then you're more likely to have lower, like a, a more regulated appetite, which means you don't then have cravings, which means you don't eat shit food which like your nutrition like snowball effect it's the snowball it's like does does coffee have a snowball effect on you or does it not and you can make a decision from there yeah 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 have you been having coffee um just when I feel like it yeah I've never been a huge coffee like I've never been a person that's like I need to have a coffee when I wake up first thing in the morning and just for my I guess like regulation of even my bowels and stuff like that like I don't have coffee until at least after 10 30 now like yeah. I'll wake up and I'll have like a bone broth and stuff in the morning so it's not something that I have to have yeah but sometimes I can have a coffee at like three o'clock in the arvo and I'm good to sleep yeah like I'm really lucky like that which sometimes I'll do because I'm like I've got stuff that I want to do tonight so I'll have a coffee or half it's usually half strength yeah and then I'm yeah good yeah. Even like that's another thing that we've spoken about is like one of the most common pregnancy, let's say side effects, whatever, is like constipation and gas. And, and I've mentioned to you like that hasn't been a problem. And it's just like, I just reckon so many of the things that I haven't dealt with in pregnancy is honestly my nutrition. Mm, yeah. I mean, yeah. I eat so much fruit, so much fiber. Like, yeah, it's been good. I really struggled with constipation in first trimester. Mm. Like it was probably the only symptom that I would say that I had because even like I barely got sick. Like I think I maybe vomited three times or something the Mm. whole time. Like it was a breeze for me. I'm so grateful for that. But yeah, constipation was one where I was like, I would just get so uncomfortable and you'd think you'd need to go to the toilet and you just couldn't. Do you Um, know what? And it, it influences your mood too. A hundred percent because I was happy. Yeah. And I felt like I started showing somewhat from what was just after the wedding. So probably like nine weeks, I had a little bit of a belly, but I feel like part of that was probably my bowel movements not being Mm. regular and stuff. So it was also just like making something funky go on down there. Yeah. Um, So I was just like constantly bloated. But yeah, apart from that. Yeah. You needed to have something. Yeah. And I up my fruit and stuff and it definitely got better at the end of first trimester. Like, and I think once I got my energy dropped generally lightly. So like I didn't have any big dips or anything, but once I got that energy back and I even just started getting up earlier in the mornings and going for walks and stuff, I'm like, that stuff naturally helps the ball rolling on things. So yeah, it does. Yeah. 
All right. So this is more going, I guess, into birth and stuff. Like, do you have a birth plan? Do you have a home versus hospital birth plans? Like, what are you hoping for there? Yeah. So yes and no. So um, do I have my intention for where and how I want to birth? Yes. Do Have I gone through like my actual birth plan in terms of these are my yeses, nos, like all that kind of stuff? No. Um, so my intention is to birth at home. Um, I, at the very, very, very early stages of my pregnancy, I already intuitively felt very pulled to that. Um, and I hired private, um, home birthing midwives. So I have been with, I've got a primary midwife and a secondary midwife. I don't have an OB and I have been with them the whole way through. And, and the beauty of that is really just getting to know my people and being able to build a relationship with them over the nine month period. And they're going to be the people that are there for me to birth my baby. So, um, I do have the intention to birth at home. I, um, have the intention to birth completely natural, unmedicated, drug-free birth home, uh, sorry, water birth, um, as well. That's the plan. One thing I do like about my midwives is they are risk adverse. So, when you're looking to hire someone, different uh, care providers are going to have different philosophies. Just like when you go to a public versus a private hospital, every every person's going to have different birth philosophies. And, you know, you will find some home birthing midwives that are like hardcore free birth, you, you know, like all the things. My midwives are pro-natural physi- physiological birth, all the things, but they won't push high risk situations. If anything's high risk, they will send me to hospital. That includes pre-labor and um, whilst laboring. So what I mean by pre-labor is if I was to have preeclampsia, that would probably put me into high risk. It would probably be, hey, like, look, let's just go to hospital. Let's not worry about having the home birth. If he was breech, it would be a it will be a hospital birth. They won't attempt, even though they can, um, they won't attempt a home breech baby birth. Sometimes twins grey area. So they've got a lot of things where it's like if any of if you have any of these things, if you're basically high risk pregnancy, they're not home birthing. However, that's kind of the intention at my thirty at the thirty six week mark. We'll do like a full birth plan of like all the things in detail of like um, how I want things to go. But yeah, basically drug-free home water birth is the goal. Are you, and you're okay, like if it does end up having to be in the hospital or whatever, like you're not going to hate yourself for it sort of thing? Like you're... So I'll answer that in two ways. Am I okay with things not going to plan and can I surrender to that? Yes. Um, and and I'm okay. I've already met with my backup hospital and things like that. So I've already, they've got all, all my details and, and things. So that's all covered. We know exactly where I'd be going. They have all my details. They know they're my backup hospital. So mm-hmm. they would be able, because I've already met with them, they've taken, all, they've checked that I'm low risk pregnancy, all the things. Um, basically, they can admit me straight away without paperwork and all the things. Would I be disappointed in myself if I ended up in hospital? No. Do I have fear that I would end up in hospital? Yes. Yeah. So it's it's a situation where it's like, fuck, I really don't want that to happen. And that's just like the more I've educated myself around like birthing statistics and things like that, I do know the difference in outcomes from hospital versus and the chances of intervention and hospitals and things like that. And I wouldn't want to put myself in a situation where statistically I am less likely to have the birth that I want, but I wouldn't be disappointed. There would be no shame. There would be no, like nothing emotional would come up where I would like blame myself or feel frustrated. I would, it would just be, it is what it is. Yeah. So there's the kind of like, yeah, two parts to that. Yeah. All right. Um, there's an assumption here. You want to have three children. Mm, no, I used to. I want to have two, but Oscar wants three and is convinced we will have three. <laughs> and I would be open to three happening. I just don't foresee three happening. I just like whenever I think about it, I just always see two and my intuition tells me two, but I would be open to three. So it's not necessarily like a want. I would love 
you know, a boy and a girl, just my two, but maybe it'll be that you have two pregnancies, but Oscar will get his twins that he's adamant. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Yeah, I know. I'm like, stop manifesting that for me. <laughs> what are your plans on breastfeeding? Like, do you want to breastfeed? Yeah, I plan to breastfeed and just like how I've approached every other fucking single part of my pregnancy, I'm doing what I can to increase my chances. That looks like obviously having care providers who value breastfeeding and will educate and things like that. I've also hired a lactation consultant who will come to the house at 36 weeks and she'll do a full two-hour session with me, teach me all the things. Because I think a lot of people don't have success breastfeeding because they're actually not educated and you know things happen and they think something's bad or wrong and then they go into like anxiousness and then it just feels like the the safest thing is like I'll just give you formula because then I know how much you're having and like so a lot of the problems you know like you can have a painful latch where it's like really painful and it hurts but you can learn about how you can change your baby's positioning so that the latch doesn't hurt or a lot of women will be like oh my god I feel like my baby's not getting enough milk and you know after speaking to my midwives she was like and obviously people can't see me but the she was like when your baby's born their stomach is like that big which is like what a 20 cent piece like a 20 cent piece she was like they need fucking nothing so people in the first like days like oh my god like my baby's like I'm I'm like not they're not getting enough milk and things like that and it's like that's literally all they needed and their stomach grows really quickly in the first few weeks so then the next day they need like more and more and more and more and more and then the other thing my midwife told me she was like you can't overfeed a breastfed baby but you can overfeed a formula fed baby so with formula you have to stick to the formula whereas like breasts you can't overfeed a breastfed baby so I'm just doing my due diligence to learn as much as I can about like you know latching and and all the things and I will I will give it my absolute best and I also think I'll be resilient so I'll be in a position where if it's not perfect I don't see myself giving up straight away I can see myself crying and having a few meltdowns but I also can see myself having the support that I need to keep giving it my best shot unless there was something where it was like hey this actually isn't working yeah 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 and I think like so many people go through different experiences exactly like you said with breastfeeding so yeah yeah and I think it comes down to values of like where you stand on like breastfeeding to me feels very, very, very fucking highly important. Like very, very important. So it's like, if that's a very high value, my tolerance to to overcoming struggle will be high. But if someone goes into it like, oh, I want to breastfeed, but I'm also okay if I need a formula feed. If they meet adversity, like they're not going to overcome adversity. They're going to formulate, which there's nothing wrong with that. It's like, but you've got to know what your values are, what your, and then your expectations will align with that. So I just look at myself and based on how highly I value breastfeeding, I just see myself breastfeeding. Yeah. 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 Have I told you that I'm not going to breastfeed? No, you haven't. about it. Yeah. I was going to ask you. Yeah. So I have actually made the decision not to breastfeed. Yeah. And it was really interesting I've always known even before I was pregnant that I probably wouldn't like it was just unclear at the start and then even once I'd sort of wanted to make the decision Scott and I had a chat about it and he was super supportive and stuff but I was never solidified in if someone asked me and I had to justify why like Mm. I couldn't have done that so like I was sort of like really not sure for a while and then I had another girlfriend who didn't breastfeed and just having a chat with her about things just made me go no it's the right decision for me yeah and mine is very much it sounds weird but like I'm not a boob person yeah and the thought of having like my little man on my boob and my chest all the time Mm. it actually makes me like internally cringe a little bit like Mm -hmm. I just know that I would get really uncomfortable with that and then on top of that like I just value it sounds selfish but like I value my time and stuff as well so knowing that if I forced myself to do it and didn't like it I would almost get a little bit of resentment for my baby I think Mm. I could see that happening Mm. um and also like then Scott and I will be able to share the load I know that if we need want to go out one night or we just need a little break like someone else would be able to look after him and stuff like that like there's just a few of those things that primarily it's because I know that as a human like I won't be comfortable with having even the reliance of a baby 
on me for food and stuff all the time. Mm. Yeah, like it's just very much a then if I go to the selfish things, it's like being able to go for a walk and knowing that he's perfectly safe and happy with Scott and he can still be fed and stuff like that. Like Mm. it's just that reliance piece as well that I'm like on top of, yeah, how I would feel about it. It's just everything else that then I can see the benefits of a lot more as well. Yeah, and it's like one of those things where even uh, like it's so interesting. I think one of the hardest things about breastfeeding is it's a little bit in some way counterintuitive for women in the workforce Mm. where it's like, you know, we're meant to you get back to work in whatever, a couple of fucking weeks and things like that. It's like – but then women have their babies in care. So it's like a lot of women can't breastfeed if they need to go back to work, especially if yeah. you, you know, work in an office or something like that. Um, you're, you're like, how do you breastfeed your baby? You either don't work yeah, or you don't breastfeed your baby. So there's like a lot of situations like that um, as well. And I think this is where it's kind of like what I spoke about with the coffee thing, like the snowball. This is where it's like you need to understand your values and what – you going against your intuition or your value could lead to a snowball of. So it's like even let's use the example of for me when I think about what's priority, like, you know, I'm fucking hardcore and like biohacking and all the things. So when I look at value, I'm like, oh, my God, it's like his brain and like his development and like attachment and like I want to biohack all of that. But then it's like for someone who doesn't necessarily want to breastfeed and then forces themselves to breastfeed and then they they want to be selfish but they don't allow themselves to be selfish and they don't just fucking admit that yeah. they want xyz then they don't share the load with their partner then people can't sit with them which means they're with their baby all the time which means they resent their baby which means they end up with postnatal depression which means the postnatal depression turns into a resentment for the child not liking being a mother like like it, it just turns into the snowball so it's one of those things where it's like you need to understand like what's you just need to do what's fucking right for you yeah yeah, hundred percent. And I think that's exactly like what you just said there. I was like, that's what I could see happening. Yeah, if I had a breastfeed, and there was like an element of, oh well, what if I don't breastfeed, but I express, so he's still getting the breast, and then I'm like, that's just wasting my own time. Yeah, like for me having to feed and do all of the motherly things plus express at the same time, and I'm like, and it's still something on me that's like getting the milk, and I'm like, it's just I could see. And like my mental health is amazing, but I'm like, I could see how that it would actually get impacted yeah. if I was doing that. And I'm like, the last thing I ever want is to potentially resent my baby at something that's come at my own actions for not knowing yeah. what I value and actually just being able to go, no, that's what's good for me. Yeah. And it's like, if breath, if I'm um, sorry, not breastfeeding, if formula feeding means that you have more energy, better mental health, you show up better as a mom, you're more present with him like all those kind of things it's like that's that's the payoff yeah Yeah. alrighty the next question is let's go a little bit with like you and Oscar so whilst we've seen you sort of reducing your hours at work and building scalable models and stuff like that will Oscar be planning to do the same like around his work capacity nowhere near to the extent of myself and There's a couple of things. One is when you look at a lot of scientific research, there's a lot of dependence for a baby on a mother compared to a father. So it's like I actually do need to be more present with him from a developmental and fucking survival point of view, especially breastfeeding. So yes, in terms of his intentions are to start work later and come home earlier and we've had conversations around how that will look and for him he was like you know it may mean that I'm staying up later working because like what it will look like is is at the moment anyone who doesn't know Oscar usually leaves at about 6 a.m and he's usually home at about 7 30 p.m sometimes eight o'clock so he he puts in big fucking days and he has said that he would see himself you know starting later spending time with bubs and I and then coming home early to kind of like you know have an early dinner because we obviously eat really late we eat at like 7 30 7 45 you know eating early spending time with the baby doing bath time together all those things and then once he goes down Oscar would then pick work back up which means Oscar would be working later than what he would 
now he might be working from 8 till 9 p.m. on his laptop at home, but it means that he was present during Bub's wake window. So things like that. The second thing we've spoken about is I obviously train at the moment at like a class-based gym called Woodshed. So I go to my gym classes in the in the mornings and things like that. Oscar is actually fitting out at his office like a full gym. Like I'm talking squat racks, leg extensions, like all the any piece of equipment you want, like he'll have it. He's getting cold plungers, a sauna, like of course he is. <laughs> fully fully fitting it out, right? And making it bougie, not commercial, not for people to use, like just for himself. So we've spoken about me being able to go to the gym at his office and either he can watch the baby while I train and like cold plunge and do all the things or it means that bubs can you know sit in a bouncer on the the gym floor and things like that so it's a way of like how do I keep exercising without like because I couldn't really keep training at Woodshed like it's not it's not feasible unless Oscar stayed home with the baby and I just don't think we want to do that especially when it's like it's another excuse for me to go see Oscar at work and him to spend more time with the baby. So Mm. a couple of things like that. And yeah, I think just like less working on weekends and stuff. So he would definitely be reducing his hours, but not to the extent I have. Do you think that you and Oscar have like similar parenting styles? Yeah, I, I would say we do. And I think there's a lot, like a lot of it is just like conscious parenting. Yeah. Yeah, and I think we have a lot of similar views around what is a priority, what we want to value. Like even I know for Oscar, breastfeeding's high priority. Mm-hmm. Like he would want me to give breastfeeding a good crack, which is like, thank fuck. Like I think that would be so hard if as a woman you didn't want to and your partner wanted you to. I think that would be so hard. So thank goodness we're on the same page with that. And I think the other good thing is when it's hard for me, I know he will be able to hold firm for me and be like, you can fucking do this. Like remember why you're doing it and like all the things. So yeah, there's a lot of things from like breastfeeding right through to like parenting and stuff like that, that I think we agree on a lot of things. But there's also going to be things that you don't know whether you align until you've got to make a decision in the moment as well. And I feel like there's going to be so much of that that comes up. Like you haven't been parents before. No. Like you can hear so many stories from people about things that happen between them, but it's like you've just got to wait until it happens. Like Mm. you've just got to roll with it. And communication is everything. Like as long as you're willing to sort of go, okay, in any situation where – something's happened and like I might have done it a bit differently like don't respond in the moment and be willing to have a conversation about it afterwards Mm. and I think you can even like having aligned values and styles is one thing but you have different characters as well so even for example you could have an aligned value but when that when that value comes up to be challenged based on who you are as a person and your character you may handle it differently. So I'll use a I'll use a really basic example. You could both be on the same page that when your child throws a tantrum that they can't have chocolate for breakfast, you could be on the same page that it's a fucking no. You're not having chocolate for breakfast. You're having a healthy, nutritious meal and that's that end of story. However, when you've got a three-year-old in front of you screaming, crying, throwing the tantrum, just because you have the value, it doesn't mean you have the character trait to be able to hold it on the value. So for example, let's just say Oscar in that situation might be like, I'm holding firm. I'm thinking, you know, long-term gratification. I'm thinking about your needs. I'm da-da-da. And me in that moment, I go into not wanting to upset him and like, you know, um, feeling like over feeling sensitive and, and empathy and I cave. So it's like, it's one thing of like, do you have, um, aligned values and styles, but it's a whole other ball game to be like, how do you act in the moment where those values are challenged? Yeah. And Absolutely. I don't, I, and I don't know, yeah. like, I don't know how that I will be. Yeah. And then also, realizing that as a parent everyone's going to make a silly decision occasionally and yeah. it doesn't mean that your values have then changed it's yeah. just a you probably didn't get any sleep last night I was, you had pressure you had three shit 
explosions everywhere this morning. Like it was just one of those moments and yeah. it was actually just the easiest option yeah. to get through. So yeah. yeah, 100%. Yeah, we've had like conversations on just like iPads, food, like all the things and everything we've agreed on so far. Yeah, that's really cool. Has your intimacy changed at all since being pregnant? Yeah, definitely. Just just waves. Like uh, my first trimester, we were definitely having less sex and I definitely sucked less dick. Let me tell you that because when you're fucking nauseous and already dry reaching, you don't want something hitting your fucking tonsils, do you? Absolutely not. So I definitely <laughs> was not giving as much head in my first trimester. My second trimester rolled around and I was like, and, and I shared this in JW Radio, but it was like, I would like wake Oscar up in the middle of the night. Like, hello, what you doing I'm over here. there? I'm here. <laughs> so way more sex in second trimester. My libido was very, very high. And then towards the end of my second trimester, libido started coming down a little bit. And I just started feeling, I, I also was, I went through a period of getting really bad round ligament pain and it would flare up whenever we had sex and I was on top. And so sometimes just like positions and things are frustrating. So I would just be like, let me just suck your dick. Like that was, <laughs> so we went through another giving more head phase. And now we're just like kind of just cruising and I imagine it will probably decrease the more pregnant I get, but not much has changed. Like even like I know a lot of people, the girl stops going on top and stuff. Like I'm still fucking riding that dick. So <laughs> you're just getting a bit of extra bounce support. Yeah, <laughs> your belly. Yeah, it's just been different. Like yeah, it just every every couple of weeks it just changes. Yeah, I love that. That's so funny. What about you? Mine has definitely dropped, I think. Mm. There was at the start of my second trimester. So first trimester, I would say it was fairly like stable. Like it was kind of just like a couple of times a week, like pretty cruisy. Mm. Um, but then also it, I wasn't nauseous, but sometimes doing extreme sort of movement or whatever like that, like I could get a little bit funny. So it was pretty just like chill when we did. Second trimester, definitely at the start, like – it, my libido ramped up hugely. So it was like, yeah, let's go for it. This is so much fun. And now I would say it's probably dropped off a bit. Yeah. To be honest though, naturally I'm not someone with a really big libido. Like my sex drive isn't huge, but in saying that it's still regular. Yeah. Um. So yeah. Yeah. Like it's not been drastically all over the place. Scott's probably feeling a little bit neglected lately. So yeah. it'll be like the, all right, I'll give you a gobby tonight. I don't want you to touch me at all, but yeah, I'll give you some love. I'm sorry. I'll look after you. Yeah. yeah that's funny. I actually totally forgot why it slowed down in our third trimester and we shared this in JW radio, yeah. but it was actually because we saw, um, when I saw my pelvic, I'm seeing like a, um, pelvic health osteo and she does internal pelvic release work. So, fingers in the vagina, releasing all the muscle tension, all the fascia, all the stuff in my vagina. So basically it's just like supporting his head being able to come into the pelvis. And my last session with her, she was like, oh, I can feel your baby's head. And then when Oscar found that out, he was like, oh my God, I'm going to like fucking prod him with my cock. Like I, he's like, <laughs> and he kind of just like, I don't know. Definitely, that would, it would be weird. Yeah, like you always hear about it in movies, or like I'm sure it's something that comes across the males' yeah. like mind at some point. And, and I asked, I asked my osteo, I was like, "Can like?" She was like, "Yeah, you won't hurt him though." And I was just like, "Oh my god, like, no, that's know. still weird." <laughs> I'm like, "That I just don't know." And like, what if he blows in me? I'm like, "That's just." Oh, just come out. He'll come out with driving cities. <laughs> oh, little crusty bits. Just, that just doesn't feel fair, does it? Oh. It is a bit weird. Do you know if he's still there? Or like does he move back oh, up he, at some Nah, point? he'd moved up and around okay. and blah, blah, blah. But his head's – I saw my midwife yesterday. His head's back re-engaged. Yeah. So. Yeah. That's so funny. <laughs> yeah. I love it. All right, we're down to our last couple of questions. Did you have to work through any fears or beliefs in becoming a mum whilst also running a company? Did I have to work through like, um, did I have to work through fears? No. Did I have to recondition my mind to a more optimistic attitude? Yes. So it was like there weren't like fears around it and I just like I knew I'd be okay but 
it's definitely like I'm very optimistic. I'm very normalized, you know, all about normalization and like blah, blah, blah. However, there is so much fucking conditioning around what it means to have a child and what's going to happen to your life when you have a child. Like it is, it is everywhere you look. It is in any movie. It is in so many conversations. It's in Facebook. It's in memes. It's in everywhere. And not saying that being a parent's not fucking hard. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm like, there's just so much like pessimism around it. I remember a few years ago, and I've shared this story before, but probably about three, four years ago, I remember saying to Oscar, when I had done, what did I do? I did like 180K a year or something like that, maybe like in 2019 or something. And I remember saying to Oscar, oh my God, like my goal is like to do like a 300K a year. And then when we have a baby, I could halve my revenue and be making 150K. Like that's insane. Like I could like, I, so I remember thinking that and isn't it so interesting that my mind went to, oh my God, I want to make X amount of money because as soon as I have a baby, it will half. Mm. So that was m- where my mindset was at. I'm like, oh yeah, you have a baby, you're say buy to half of your revenue because you can only do half the work or like, you know, all the things. Whereas now, as you know, I have goals to like double my revenue in the same year that yeah I'm going to be having a baby so there's absolutely you can see already there the shift in my mindset and I Um, feel like even just going into how you've kind of planned mm. since you first got pregnant especially because your energy did dips quite a lot in the first trimester like there's been periods where it's like all right I actually don't want to plan a lot like or have too much going on in the next trimester but then you get into it and you're like oh I almost overestimated how I would be feeling and I'm like I'm actually good like let's put something else in so you've kind of been managing it along the way but it is you just almost assume well I'm in my third trimester I'm going to be exhausted like let's not do as much when we've done the opposite and you're like let's fucking go and like your energy is insane right now and just the momentum of everything so it's like it's so hard with the conditioning that we've gotten, just what almost what you assume you're going to be at different points in your pregnancy. Mm. And I think you've probably, you, you've literally seen this from behind the scenes, yeah. me setting up my business capacity for what, like, I'm just going to be honest, most people could handle. Yeah. And I did that and I got there and I'm like, oh, I can handle this. Yeah. And like, exactly as you said, now I'm in a season of just like, let's fucking go. Like, yeah. let's like, I'm, I'm not slowing down right now. If anything, I'm speeding up and I'm getting closer towards the end of, yeah. you know, so there's been that. And, and when it comes down to, it wasn't really like journaling and things like that. For me, it was a lot of environmental factors in terms of like my circle, the conversation, I was entertaining, things like that. So even as a prime example, I'm in a mastermind right now, as in, I'm in one, not running one, and nearly everyone in there is a mum. And every single one, every single one of them talk about parenting and business in the most expansive, elevating way. Every single one of them would say that having a child gave them more energy in business, gave them more creativity in business, gave them more – like so – And I was like, and and so I even pulled on the mastermind where I've asked some questions. I'm like, hey, like I'll ask them anything from like, what's something that you did in the preparation towards having your baby for your business that you're glad you did? What's something that you didn't do that in hindsight you wish you did do? Things like that. I was like, hey guys, like what was your time period in terms of needing time off versus feeling ready to come back? And, And asking people who will be honest, but not victimy not give you like like they're not ignorant to the point they're like oh babe three days and you can get back into it and host the mastermind like they're not you know what I mean like they're gonna give you a realistic answer but you know it's also gonna be a mixture of like expansive yeah yet honest and and just like it's like oh I feel like I can listen to you because we're we're on the same wavelength so that's been really cool and you know some of the women was like, you know, it was like three weeks for me before I felt ready to start doing this. And then other women were like, I needed three months. And like, yeah, it's just, it's, it's just been really cool. So I think like having a space like that, my mentor, who's also my best friend has a very, very expensive take on business and parenting. Like she always says, like your children actually just make you more focused and more intentional because you have to be like, you don't get to like waste time and things like that. So yeah, I think 
there's definitely things that I've had to change in my mindset from going like having a baby means my business halves to I can double my revenue and have a baby. But it wasn't like a lot of deep fear stuff I had to work through. It was more just like, okay, I can see where my conditioning's at and I just got to rewire that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's so cool. And I think getting like people's opinions and stuff is great. I remember I got told, I can't remember who told it to me, but they said, if I've got one bit of advice at the start of your pregnancy, it's like only ask people questions if you actually value the answer that they're going to give you. Mm. And I was like, it's so true because there's even like, and I fucking love my mum, but like there's questions around, I remember having a conversation with her about what I should eat at the start of pregnancy because I hadn't done any research and stuff at this time. And her response straight away was just like, oh, Madison, just don't overthink it. Mm. And I'm like, I just started talking about like eggs and stuff. And like, I hadn't done the research to be like, eggs are so fucking vital for the growth of your baby and stuff. If you can have them, like you should have them every day. Mm. But it wasn't because it was coming from an And I nearly got annoyed at her for being so blasé about it when I'm like I just want to have like an educated conversation with someone Mm. and I was like oh and then I got that advice and I was like I can see where I set myself up for failure because I'm like if I had thought about is mum going to give me the answer that would actually help me like it was always no yeah yeah I think that's really important as well and there's like I'm very lucky so many conversations I can have with my mum are great but then there's the same thing it's like oh I probably wouldn't ask her about this yeah but I would ask her about this and this and this and this yeah you know like my mum breastfed me for six months and she had three natural births or or hospital births but natural births had no drugs for any of her births so things like that where it's like that's been really cool where I'm like it I feel like going into my labor being like my mum's done this three fucking times like my (laughs) mum's done drug-free birth three fucking times if mum's got this I've got this like you know so that's been really empowering but then even like I wouldn't ask for my mum's perspective on like co-sleeping yeah because my mum would be like, oh my gosh, like, see, you know, mum was in there. Yeah. yeah. She, my mum would be like, absolutely do not fucking go to sleep. And I know a lot of people still are very anti-co-sleeping and things like that. And it's like, that's cool. You you get to be. But it's just asking the right people the right questions. Yeah. yeah. And it's also like with mum, I will still now have conversations around food or things, but I won't necessarily be asking her for an opinion when I actually need the responses and answer. Like it's more having a conversation and it's like, this is what I'm thinking and like, or I'll preface with like, I don't want you to jump down my throat. Like I just want to talk through something. Mm. So I've learned already how to almost manage the conversation a bit better. So I'm not setting myself up for a failure because I probably know it answers some of the times. Yeah. What you just said, like knowing the people that you're just having a conversation with versus the people you're asking for their advice. Yeah. Yeah. Very huge. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I think we wrap it up just about. I just wanted to throw in a quick, quick fire though. What are your three, say, top pregnancy tips that you would give any mother or anyone looking to go into pregnancy? Like, what are three things that you think is important for them to either look after or just know? Top three things. One, take your preconception seriously. Like, don't just be like, I mean, sometimes you get pregnant and you weren't expecting it and, like, that's fine. Like, just do your best for your pregnancy. Like, whatever. But go right here. But if you you know you're getting ready, rather than being like, oh, I'm ready, let's start trying. Like, just be like, oh, I'm ready. I'm going to give myself three months before I start trying. Like, I, I, I think, like, if you're having the conversations and you're one of those people that know you're getting ready to be pregnant soon, like, take your preconception seriously it's going to make your pregnancy so much fucking easier from like a physical point of view, a mental point of view, all the points of view, if you can. My second tip would be kind of what we were just speaking about. Choose who you uh, turn to for advice very, very carefully because it will quickly normalize problems, create limitations or expand you. And that can be anything even down to the birth supporters you choose. Like if you get... Uh, OBGYN that's like oh you know what like fuck let's just book you in for a cesarean you know like like things like that like you're, you're gonna make or break the difference between your pregnancy your birth like all the things um and it's either gonna be th- and you're gonna think that that has to be how it is because that's what you have evidence of but that can also be just like conversations about anything in general and then the third thing would probably be kind of like what we spoke about earlier with the breastfeeding thing but like do your way 
Like if you don't want to breastfeed, don't let the fact that I highly value breastfeeding make you feel shame that you don't want to breastfeed. Don't let your fucking cousin Catherine like, – like just whatever feels right for you, do that And because I think that that's setting you up for how you're going to be in motherhood as well. Mm-hmm. I think there's so many things when it comes to parenting – There's going to be so many different point of views on what's right, how you should parent. And you know what? You're going to tear your fucking hair out if you're trying to do it quote unquote right. I think just trust your intuition. Like I think that I think you just know, like even with my home birth as an example, the second I was pregnant, it was like an intuitive download of like, this is how I'm supposed to birth. Like it was a knowingness. And then as I was like, okay, I'm home birthing. I better fucking read some shit. Obviously a lot of the science that I've done has backed up and made me really confident in my decision that I've made the right decision. However, it wasn't reading the books and then going, oh, I better home birth because that's superior. It was intuition first. And then I supported that decision. So even for example, if you're like, intuitively like oh my god like I would rather fucking die than birth in my house like I would feel so much more safe in a hospital environment things like that cool you've made that decision let that be perfect now go away and research how do you best support yourself getting the outcome you want in the hospital system Mm -hmm. just to, to do it that way so I think like just let your way be right and then do the research to support whatever way you're doing decision you're making, how can you optimize that as best you can? Yeah. 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 That's incredible. Yeah. Amazing. That's me. I think that's it for this podcast. I think it's a long one, but there there was a lot. I mean, we've gone from like my last update being trimester one to net, like a lot changes. Yeah. A lot changes. And you've had so many questions and stuff come through, whether it's Q and A's, JW radio, whatever it is. So I think this has been a really good update. We will put the other podcast that you did in the show notes as well. So if you want to listen to her, try one updates, we will make that nice and easy for you. Yeah. And if you want to work with a business mentor, that's going to normalize not letting motherhood be a reason that you can't make fucking shitloads of money. I'm your gal. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. Thanks for tuning in, guys. See you in the next episode. Bye, guys. Bye.